welcome listeners to the Editor's Desk podcast at First Things. And I'm Rusty Reno, the editor of First Things, and I am delighted today to be joined by my colleague, senior editor Mark Bauerlein, and Alexander Riley, professor of sociology at Bucknell University. Welcome. Thanks very much for having me, guys. All right, so Thanksgiving. It's uh, it's coming up. It's 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 on the horizon. Mark, Mark, uh, what, what, when did this even start? This national holiday of Thanksgiving. It was a glorious moment way back in 17th century Massachusetts <laughs> when the white man and the red man came together. Okay. Anyway, uh, we're we're not in fifth grade, but uh, yeah, there there is the history here of. Uh, the the pilgrims having suffered through a horrible horrible winter, they did not expect the New England winters to be quite like uh, what they did suffer. They actually intended to land farther south, maybe no more toward uh, the where current Manhattan. But uh, it was a sixty six day crossing, uh, and they they needed to land, and they ended up on in Plymouth. And the winter was horrible. Uh, most most people through the winter tried to stay on board ship. Uh, roughly half of them uh, didn't survive. They didn't know how to survive. And, and they didn't know the flora and the fauna very well. And they got assisted by the, by the natives. And the natives taught them things about the cultivation of food. Now, my understanding, just my understanding, Mark, it's, it's the Wampanoags, I think. Right. It's the tribe... And they were kind of on the downside of intra-tribal conflict in the kind of Massachusetts, Rhode Island area. They had been whomped on by um, some of the other more dominant tribes. So they saw the pilgrims as potential tribal allies, so to speak. This is a continuing story in the the settlement, the European settlement of, of the America. You know, when people talk about uh, what what the Americans, what the United States Army did during the Plains, the Indian Wars, uh, you often find that they were assisted by Indian scouts. You know, the 7th Cavalry, they always had a few Indian scouts along with them. Why would Native Americans help the Americans against other Native Americans? Well, that's because it's a heck of a lot better to be on the side of the U.S. Army, if it meant protection from the Comanches, <laughs> uh, the the tribal warfare was a way of life. You know, you you go to Mesa Verde, where you see the you know the the cities, the, the villages carved into the rock. Those tribes did that for protection from other from other tribes who were ravaging them uh, every year. So yeah, intertribal or or yeah, intertribal competition certainly played a role in the assistance that the Wampanoags gave to the pilgrims. And it's a tradition of giving thanks. I mean, this is an expression of gratitude, uh, ultimately to God for having brought them through periods of suffering. So just the simple ritual, and then this is where I, I turn to Alexander, the simple ritual of giving thanks. The process, I mean, Alexander, you've written for us about the sacred, 
and and sacrifices that go with it here here in first things do you find in the well, what in the original or the older version of thanksgiving do you find matches some of the sociological understandings of the sacred that you've written about well the 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 whole the whole framework of expressing gratitude and, and giving thanks to a, a supernatural entity to god which is undeniably what thanksgiving is about in the in the mythological versions and in all the the political versions that we have going all the way back to washington's first inaugural where he he, he talks about this civil religious view of of the american nation its relationship to a a, a project a, a religious project um and then later that same year uh, washington actually declared the 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 first thanksgiving as an explicitly civil religious ritual or act i mean this is uh this is obviously deeply tied into um these the specific religious rituals that the american people were most familiar with and that they brought with them from the old world so there's a there's a literature in in my discipline that starts with the sociologist bob bella that talks about this phenomenon of civil religion uh, it's probably important maybe to say just a word about how that's how that's related to religion proper and also how it's distinguished from religion proper in order to, to get a good sociological grasp on on what thanksgiving is doing so civil religion is this this phenomenon that bella named bob bella a sociologist at the university of uh, california berkeley throughout a good chunk of the latter part of the 20th century he wrote this this article that for us in sociology is very well known published in 1967, which he made this argument, there's something called a civil religion in American society. That's, it's related to religious traditions. Specifically, it's related to the Judeo-Christian religious traditions that this country has been most uh, fundamentally connected to since its origins. Um, and yet, Bella says it's distinguishable from it. It's not, civil religion in America is not the same thing as uh, Judeo-Christian religion or Judaism or Christianity. Um, and it operates as a kind of religious dimension of political life, if you will, in which a people understand the historical experience of the, of the nation, of the society, in light of transcendent reality. So, so what you find in the American civil religion, according to Bella, is a, a whole series of historical episodes, and particular rites and, and ceremonies that we engage in as a way of essentially mythologizing our historical experience in such a way as to fit it to this, this transcendent reality. So Thanksgiving is this, again, a, a, a ritual of, of gratitude. Um, specifically, it's a ritual of gratitude that's related to, if you want to very neatly map it as a civil religious ceremony onto the religious framework from which it comes, I, I think Bella argues, it's um, it's an attitude of of gratitude, an attitude of, or a, 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 a ritual of gratitude that's uh, related to an exodus, right? It's related to a, a successful um, escape, if you will, of a chosen people from a situation that they that they desired to escape from for all sorts of reasons, including religious persecution. Um, and their arrival in a new and, and difficult situation 
that they, uh, in which they faced all sorts of mortal dangers. And, and nonetheless, even in the midst of that very dangerous situation that they found themselves, they, they're called in this religious spirit, they're called to give thanks for the, the fact of their, of their escape, of their exodus and their arrival in this new world. Um, and, their, and, and the fact that they, this arrival, this escape and this arrival more or less crowns their, their status as a chosen people. This is another aspect of Bella's argument about how the, the civil religion connects to the Geo-Christian tradition. There's a, there's a deep narrative in both of the, the relevant people that are being described there as, a, as, as somehow chosen by God for a particular mission. So, so Thanksgiving is really tied up in all of that. Yeah, I think I, that's a great observation because I've always thought that, you know, Thanksgiving is sort of the secular American Passover Seder, <laughs> you know, in the sense that it's, I mean, Passover is a family as opposed to a synagogue ritual. And it's a home, you know, again, versus synagogue ritual. And to your point, uh, it's the same theme, which is Exodus and uh, survival, miraculous survival, uh, after being delivered from persecution as a sign of divine um, covenant with, uh, with uh, those establishing the new errand in the wilderness. Although that comes later with Winthrop, I think, errand in the wilderness. But nonetheless, uh, they all kind of merge together in the American imagination in this kind of fall Passover Seder. Uh, that we, we wind up celebrating. I, I think along the lines of what you said, Alexander, is the fact that Thanksgiving was celebrated in different ways and at different times around the country after Washington had semi-formalized Thanksgiving, but it didn't become established as a national moment until uh, after after a few decades of lobbying by Sarah Josepha Hale, who was a very prominent editor in the United States uh, at the, in the mid 19th century, Abraham Lincoln settled upon the last Thursday, or it's not the last Thursday, or the, or the fourth Thursday in November as the day when everyone in the country would sit down for Thanksgiving. This is right this is in 1863 when the war has turned and it it's pretty clear that the that the north is the momentum is with the north the only thing that might save the south is if lincoln's voted out of office um in in the following year but in the, in, in the in the time of the greatest mass bloodshed in american history is when thanksgiving becomes established as a national holiday that fits with what you were saying Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, it, it's tied very deeply in Bella's view uh, and in the view of, uh, of others who've written on this topic uh, after Bella. It's, it's tied to the, the need to create, again, to mythologize history, which is this, is, this is a topic which is very fraught these days because there are all sorts of, of, of efforts to mythologize American history and the American founding in ways that I think the the three of us find problematic and lots of other people find problematic, but Bella recognized just as a sociological proposition, this is something that a people has to do. 
this actually goes back, I think, in the in the founders' understanding of uh, of, of Montesquieu's uh, argument about how a republic, what what the what the central, um, if you will, cultural value that's necessary to establish uh, a republic, in, in according to the Baron de, de Montesquieu, a fundamentally important political theorist for for our founders. And the, the fundamental virtue, the fundamental virtue is virtue. The fundamental variable that uh, Montesquieu settles on is virtue. You need virtuous citizens in order to establish a republic. The question is, how do you get virtuous citizens? Simply by forcing them to adhere to certain rules or norms. That's not sufficient, is the argument. You need an emotional attachment to the republic. You need, you need for the citizens to love the republic. What's the best way to get people to love something? You appeal to passion. You appeal to uh, deep wells of meaning that can be literary and artistic and religious in their core, because those are the things that really speak to us. So, so Bella argues uh, again this this proposition that for some folks is problematic, but I think sociologically it's almost undeniable in my view. You need myth in the history of a of a nation. So the the, the myths that come out of our, our our construction of the events of the Civil War. The myths that come out of the stories of the, the 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 colonies struggling in that very difficult time that they were struggling with in the first winters, etc. These are inevitably Bella says these are this is not history. This is not an attempt to get to the actual facts, but it's an embellishment, a transfiguration of history in a language that's more suited to appealing to the passions of a people, appealing to their sense of collective identity and collective unity. And so Thanksgiving really is intended to do that. Here are these, here are this, here's this people who've suffered this tremendous, uh, difficult journey, and they're now in what they'd hoped, at least in some of the, the formulations of the, what the new world was going to be about prior to arrival, they'd hoped was going to be a utopia. It turned out to be rather more difficult than a utopia. Uh, <laughs> they, were, they were facing significant challenges. And yet even in the face of that, they're called then to recognize the debt that they have to their God and the gratitude that they're required to express for, again, just the, the, the simple fact of, Rusty used the term the covenant, which is a profound term that, that Bella uses as well. In fact, he, he wrote a text that I think is even more important in his uh, delineation of the civil religion, maybe, than the 67 essay. He wrote a, a book a couple years later. It's based on some lectures that he gave in the early 70s. It wasn't published until about 75. Um, uh, and this is called The Broken Covenant in which he elaborates how American history can be made sense of in a certain way by breaking it up into several different episodes of the American people recognizing the fact that they'd come into conflict with their God over the covenant that they had agreed to with him, in which they basically broken the covenant or they were in danger of breaking the covenant. And they were called to penitence. They were called to uh, returning to the covenant and renewing the covenant. Bella wrote that book in the in the wake of the 60s. The 60s, the, the tumult, the, the turmoil of the 60s was for him the third such period of crisis. The revolution was the first, the civil war, which you mentioned, Mark, was the second. 60s was the third. I think we can argue that potentially we're in a fourth period of such crisis now um, in which there's huge cultural division, political division in the country. And uh, Bella and that argument about the American civil religion, which includes Thanksgiving, among other ceremonies and rituals. That's, a, that's a now a really renewed and important part of our effort to, to reestablish that covenant and to, to, to get back into tune with our 
uh, some of our deep mythological understanding of who we are as a people. Yeah, you say the 60s, flag burning, our time, statue toppling. So that kind of iconoclasm bespeaks a rejection of the civil religion, or at least an attack on key elements of the civil religion. I always think of uh, Thanksgiving and Fourth of July. Those seem to be the two, you know, people, there was a period when Washington's birthday and Lincoln's birthday, I think probably resonated in the public sphere, but now it's been converged into President's Day and it's just a day off from work. And I think for the generation that um, fought in World War I and World War II, Veterans Day had a great symbolic significance. And in Europe, I think it probably still does in a way that it, it just doesn't. Again, it's just a day off in, in our Columbus Day has become an actual day of, of, uh, that epitomizes the conflict over civil religion. But Alexander, to your point, it seems to me that I think it's so important to think of uh, Bella's observation about myth that this 1619 project is its own kind of myth-making that was deliberately formulated to, to counter the 1776 myth. Um, and while we certainly ought to want to be correct or accurate in our historical knowledge, it's, a, it's foolish to think that that would settle the question. Um, the myth that we prefer has more to do with the kind of country we want to inhabit than it does with a, a kind of correct historiography. Do you think that's right? I do think that's right. Yeah, myth is uh, uh, the strange thing about the the 1619 project, which I, I agree with you fully. I think it is uh, fundamentally a mythological project. I, I, it, it seems like at least some of the people behind it are, are are coming around to that view now. Now that they've been faced with the undeniable evidence of the historical problems, the, the actual factual problems of the narrative, uh, it's it's a unique kind of narrative that is the 1619 narrative as a myth in, in that it's it really does something that's completely different than every national myth, every civil religious myth that, uh, or, or certainly the, the vast majority of them that preceded it. Maybe the six, in the 60s, you can find some similar kinds of, of myths. And that is, it's a myth about the nature of a people, which is, which, which is negative about those people. It basically says here, we're fundamentally corrupted. We're, 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 we're on the wrong path from the start. And so it's a it's a kind of mythical understanding of the origins of the nation as a, a fundamental misstep, a uh, even a, a moral evil in some ways. It, it, Bella, I think, if he were around still, would would note just again historically and sociologically that's that's not typically what myths do. And it's also it's rather difficult to imagine how a myth like that can do what Montesquieu argues you need done in a republic. If the idea in a republic is you need citizens to love the republic to get the republic to be sustainable. What what is a myth going to do? That's basically telling people your republic is corrupt from the beginning. It's based on a fundamental moral evil. And so, where do you go from there, other than to abandon it? I, I, it's hard for me to see, certainly, how that kind of myth can can do what Montesquieu is arguing and what Bella as well is arguing uh, a civil religious myth needs to do, which is you know compare that compare the 1619 myth to the mythological understanding of the in, the in the place of Thanksgiving as a narrative. I was thinking about this a lot before our, our conversation. I mean, what a remarkable attitude 
the, the attitude of just gratitude, giving thanks, as both a personal philosophy and a national ideological approach. Instead of, of blustering overconfidence in yourself, and you know, the kind of, this, this is a, a perspective that's not hard to find in contemporary America. You know, we're the greatest and we're, and, and why are we the greatest? Because we have all the biggest, best stuff and we can buy tons of, of, of things and da, 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 da. On the one hand, and on the other hand, the sort of pathetically, eternally suffering victim narrative, which has become so, so common today. Instead, this attitude of humble gratitude for every gift that you've been given. Um, what a remarkable. Yeah, Roger Scruton's, uh, he used to say that gratitude is the foundation of civic life. Yeah. Hmm. That that's the fundamental disposition, which I suppose is Montesquieu's point as well, loyalty to the Republic so that you're willing to sacrifice your self-interest, which is not an easy thing to do. <laughs> so Very you're difficult. To sacrifice yeah. Your uh, you know, you, yeah, Fourth Fourth of July is more of a rah rah holiday, um, and maybe I think that people feel Thanksgiving, uh, even people who have very little uh, um, sense of the historical horizon. But my experience is people really love Thanksgiving, <laughs> and it's not just uh, getting together with family. Is my sense. It's also because I think. As human beings, we actually kind of like expressing gratitude because uh, we know we have a great deal to be grateful for. You know, the, the, the old central event on the 4th of July was not a fireworks display. It was a public reading in the town square of the Declaration of Independence, the entire thing. People heard the Declaration of Independence read out loud with one another once a year. So... Uh, I've seen yeah, that, that done. That, I've actually that, seen that done recently in a, a this this almost certainly is not the norm almost anywhere, but in a in, in a contemporary counter Fourth of July ceremony, I saw exactly that. Very moving, very 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 powerful. Now now it, it's interesting as you were talking about secular the, gospel reading, I suppose. It, there you go. <laughs> well, when when you were talking about the Thanksgiving uh, and and. Bella, do you know about what FDR tried to do with Thanksgiving? You know that story? Uh, what do you he, want to he actually, story? He uh, changed, uh, he changed the date. <laughs> he, moved the he moved the date up. And he, he wanted to promote you know, consumption and, and in the Depression, promote, promote spending. And he, he was in a hurry. So he changed the date. And that proved deeply unpopular. People mocked it. They, they, they called it not Thanksgiving, but Franksgiving. And uh, it, it, he, FDR, he had to go back on that. It, so it, it, that, that shows this, this has, even up until then, this was not an entirely secular holiday. You don't mess with a, a, a religious devotion, FDR, uh, however many other traditions you wish to, you wish to uh, uh, explode. Not this one! <laughs> well, what are... What are um... So are you a dark meat or a white meat guy, Mark? Turkey. You know, as, when, I was young, when I was young, I was a white meat guy. Now I'm a dark meat guy. Alexander? Yeah, well, it's in the chocolate. I think that's, that must be <laughs> rare that people actually make the transition. I think you... you, you oh, yeah. Really, that's pretty... That shows your flexibility, Mark. That's, that's right. That's impressive. <laughs> that's me. Did you I, make that change when you went from liberal to conservative? <laughs> the, 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 you know, the, the timing, they were coincidental. 
<laughs> well, I, I, I wish all you guys, uh, both of you, a, a wonderful and happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you. What a pleasure. Happy Thanksgiving, gentlemen. <laughs>